This journalism.co.uk podcast is supported by Dataminer, a real-time alert service that helps journalists uncover breaking news and stories before they go viral. Want to know more? Head over to dataminer.com to find out how your newsroom can stay ahead of the curve. I'm Daniel Green, and this week we're talking about LGBTQ diversity in the newsroom. In this week's podcast, we'll be speaking to Tafail Ahmed, news editor at Pink News, about improving hiring practices, avoiding tokenism in improving diversity, and what we tend to get wrong in reporting LGBTQ plus stories. I think, you know, perhaps some of these newspapers are willfully trying to rile up anti-transgender sentiment in the same way that people once wrote about people with HIV, you know, saying this is a disease of people that are abhorrent and that are doing things that are against the natural order and demonizing people with HIV. And I think, you know, there's a little bit of willfulness to the way that some of this transgender coverage is being presented. So that was to fail, explaining about the impact of some press coverage of LGBTQ plus issues. But we first learn about representation. He tells me that newsrooms across the country are not representative of the wider world. I think uh, LGBT people in newsrooms is, I mean, I think it's disproportionate definitely to the uh, the kind of population of LGBT plus people in the communities that the news is supposed to represent. Um, certainly in newsrooms that I've been in, um, you know, I think there is a real distinct lack of diversity. And I mean, not just around LGBT plus people, but, you know, I've been in newsrooms where I've been, you know, the only Asian person, for example, or one of two or three minorities in newsrooms of dozens, if not hundreds of people. Um, And, you know, I mean, it's not it's not exactly reflective of the people in the community that that these newspapers and magazines you know websites etc are supposed to serve um you know i've worked for national newspapers um who have had mostly white people in their newsrooms and are supposed to be catering to like working class people and we obviously know that that includes uh minorities whether that's um black asian or lgbt for example Um, And I think, you know, newsrooms do have a a ways to go to be representative of the people that we serve. As Tafail explains, the lack of diversity in the newsroom can end up resulting in using inappropriate and outdated language. A lot of these newsrooms do tend to be filled by stuffy, you know, old white men who think that it's acceptable to refer to transgender people by you know the wrong pronouns or might think that it's acceptable to to use words and and kind of phrases that actually are not acceptable anymore when you have kind of people that are a little bit archaic in terms of you know where where they have come from from uh when they started journalism or ever and who haven't probably kept up with um the kind of developments in terms of what what is okay and what isn't okay what else are newsrooms getting wrong in their coverage of lgbtq plus people and their stories i think the they're getting a lot wrong um i think a lot of these kind of more establishment titles for example the times who do a lot of coverage around uh transgender issues but seem to not have a very good grasp on it 
these are oh. publications where they are kind of suggesting that women are in danger from uh, changes to the Gender Recognition Act, but the Gender Recognition Act only just reinforces what is already law via the Equality Act, which is that transgender women are women and they have the right to access single sex spaces. There hasn't been, you know, uh, there hasn't been like Armageddon as a result of that. Um, and I think, you know, perhaps some of these newspapers are willfully trying to rile up anti-transgender sentiment in the same way that people once wrote about people with HIV. Tafail explains that the harmful effects of the coverage of the HIV AIDS epidemic risk being replicated by media organisations in their reports on transgender issues. I, I think, you know, the, the way that the news works there is a bogeyman um you know for 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 a time and then you move on to the next one and i think when the aids crisis was happening in the 80s um it was quite easy to kind of pin it on uh gay men and their so-called lifestyles and how they have brought this on themselves they have corrupted society etc etc um and i think that it's only in hindsight now that you know people can really see the impact of that and the way those words can be really harmful and stigmatizing and actually the coverage that um you know those people with hiv received that probably actually stopped a lot of people from going and getting tested and helping themselves because of the fear and the stigmatization around it and it is cyclical news is cyclical there will always be a bogeyman and unfortunately right now i do think it's it's the kind of transgender community and i i do think again similarly with uh hiv you know it's going to take hindsight to see that this is actually quite damaging so is the antiquated way LGBTQ plus people are represented in the press reflected in treatment in the workplace? I can only really speak from personal experience. So I've worked in several newsrooms over the years and I do think that, yes, I, I think there is an impact that it can have on the few people that there are um, of, of minority groups such as LGBT plus people. Um, I think, you know, you do become a certain kind of <laughs> a, a token but um in terms of getting asked questions you know about stories or stuff and 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 being being kind of almost a a barometer of whether something is acceptable or whether a story is acceptable to do but i also think like the only way of of kind of instilling um kind of understanding within non-lgbt plus people or non-minority people in newsrooms um if there are that or if there isn't a prevalence of minority uh employees is that those people do kind of have to be the barometer by which um other people can measure what is okay what's not okay like what should be in the news what shouldn't etc um, so I think like the representation in newsrooms is I, I, I think it does matter in terms of what those people can bring. But I also think that news is such a game of skills as well that I wouldn't want to be in a newsroom, for example, simply because I am a minority. Like I, I bring it. It's also about what you can bring to the table. 
And I do think that, you know, there's a huge abundance of talent out there that all want jobs. And it makes it so much harder for people to get into journalism. And I think like you really do have to be just whip smart at the same time. He also tells me that to bring more diversity to the newsroom, hiring practices need to be looked at. Listen here as Tefail explains that minority groups often can't access traditional routes into journalism. You do have to think about the number of people that can actually access those courses and, and those pathways into journalism. So I think, you know, things like creative access, which allows uh, schemes for minorities into media fields, is really important to kind of think about how we can represent those communities within our newsrooms, etc. And also going to universities and, and kind of uh, journalism courses and stuff that aren't in some of those top tier universities where there are, t- there are really talented people across the board, not just in Oxbridge or City University or whatever, there are people that are capable on journalism courses in less established or less popular universities and trying to kind of encourage those people into the workplace. What does Pink News do to ensure their workplace is as diverse as possible? We are an an LGBT plus publication, but we are here for everybody as an employer. Um, We recruit based on skills and talent and we also have a kind of blind hiring process in terms of we don't think of people as you know this person is LGBT so they definitely must have a job here um, I think we're very much kind of like we're skills led we're we're kind of culturally led and then we also are super inclusive and we've been very lucky to establish a team that is so diverse um, you know the team co- uh, covers every spectrum of the LGBT plus acronym. And we also have uh, straight allies within our workforce. So Fail thinks there are some major changes employers can do to address the issue. Maybe there should be a, a peer-led interview process where, you know, recruiters are not just kind of a hiring manager and a, a HR person. The, they're also interviewed by uh, potential candidates, perhaps interviewed by somebody that might be a colleague, some, so somebody who's on a similar level to them, etc. So you get a wider perspective of where that person might sit at different levels of the hierarchy and the different kinds of people that they might people that they might interact with on a day to day basis. So you kind of get more of a robust overview of who that person is from different perspectives. Um, And of course, unconscious bias training, I think, is super important. Like, I think some people look at a CV and see Oxbridge or they look at a CV and they see, you know, this person has done uh, an NCTJ with 120 word per minute count and think, okay, this person is perfect. We must hire them. But once they get into the newsroom, you might find that perhaps they're not the ideal candidate and there might have been somebody else out there. Um, so I think people tend to, I feel like I've definitely experienced this in my career. I've, I don't have a, uh, a British sounding name, but I'm British and I'm born, born and bred in London, but I don't have a British sounding name. And I think, you know, sometimes I've, I feel that recruiters have just kind of dumped my CV because of the name on my CV. So I think that unconscious bias training is also really important. Um, and I think a lot of younger companies like Pink News, we are much more conscious 
of kind of you know unconscious bias and things like that and you know i think that's something that is more prevalent in in the kind of new generation of media that needs to kind of extend out to the wider media younger people are much more aware of tokenism in newsrooms so how do employees avoid hiring to tick boxes it's striking a balance between having diversity and having someone with the right skill set um, and you really want to obviously hire the best person for the job that's all that's all you can do and you also kind of have to think about where that person fits in culturally and uh, assuming that that your infrastructure is a diverse and inclusive one at its core and it's not just a, a statement on a piece of paper I think once that person is in in your company just I don't see any real barriers to someone's progress within the company because of any specific um, reasons such as gender or sexuality or skin colour etc and it sh those barriers just shouldn't be there. With the LGBTQ plus community feeling underrepresented in the press, Tafail explains that news organisations specifically tailored to them give a voice to the voiceless. We kind of get this false impression I think from the media, uh, the kind of more mainstream media that the fight for equality has been won, you know? Oh, gay people can get married, so what have they got to complain about? But there is still a lot that happens within um, within the society, within the community itself, that there is a lot of work to be done. And I think, you know, there is a lot more to the gay community, the LGBT community, and, and kind of like whether it's... Um, things like mental health or trans issues, et cetera, et cetera, that um, don't seem to have a space um, in other publications. And that's why it's really important for a publication like Pink News to exist to kind of serve as, a, as, a, as an outlet for all of those kinds of stories that do affect the community and also have a wider outreach to society in itself. Getting LGBTQ plus stories heard is important, but some journalists may shy away from reporting LGBTQ plus affairs for the fear of a backlash if they got something wrong. But Tafail says that, as long as you have good intentions, you shouldn't be afraid of reporting those stories. I totally understand like where, where that sentiment comes from. Um, and, you know, I think it's good that people are actually being conscious of okay might might this cause offense if i write it or if i accidentally use the wrong pronouns or whatever um it's development that people are kind of being conscious of doing that because you don't want to unintentionally be offensive even in a publication like pink news where we are kind of hugely led by uh, an LGBT plus editorial team, you know, sometimes mistakes will happen, slip ups will happen. Um, but, you know, the intention obviously is not to do that. Um, and I don't think that people should shy away from covering LGBT plus issues because they, they're concerned about kind of causing offence or, you know, perhaps like accidentally going viral by doing something, you know, that they shouldn't have done. But, um, I would say that to be able to do those stories and people should be able should do those stories and should be able to do those stories and the best way to get equipped and feel equipped to cover those stories I think is you know 
um, having training with uh, people that already do it, you know. Uh, you can reach out to Pink News. I'm sure we could come in and kind of put together like a, a kind of reporting guideline for LGBT plus issues, you know, how to use correct pronouns, etc., etc., or other organizations like Stonewall. Um, you know, there's GLAD, for example, has a lot of information on how to report around LGBT issues. Um, and so there is a lot out there. There are a lot of resources to make sure that you feel comfortable and equipped being able to cover that stuff because um, it is important that everybody is able to cover it. And, um, you know, I think unless you can have a whole newsroom worth of people that have the lived experience to inform it, then reach out, get the training from other places. Some interesting insights from Tefail there, and we'll keep up with the discussion. Thanks to Tefail for taking the time to speak with me, and thanks of course to you at home or on the commute for tuning in. Want to keep up with the diversity discussion? Come along to our Newsywide conference on the 27th of November at Reuters in London. We'll be discussing how to build a diverse and sustainable newsroom to regain audiences' trust. Head to newsrewired.com to bag yourself a ticket, save the date, and we'll see you there. Here's Jasmine from our courses board, who has some training opportunities she'd like to share with you. Want to start making your own videos for social media? Join our one-day creating social video workshop to find out how to shoot and edit films specifically for Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. It takes place on the 24th of June in central London. You can find out more at journalism.co.uk slash s43. That's all we have time for this week. Don't forget, if you'd like to feature on one of our podcasts, you can get in touch with us at Journalism News on Twitter. For now, until next time. 